0: Welcome everyone, we're about to begin, Best is Hashem Shalom Bayesh, number 258. We're going to discuss today principle number 6 of the 7 Principles of Making a Marriage Work by John Gottman. And the principle number 6 is discussing what he calls overcoming gridlock. Overcoming gridlock means that you have uh, different differences that seem irrecon- irreconcilable where you can't find a way to accommodate one another about those disagreements you have, and the results end up being gridlock. When a couple gridlocks over issues, it's like two opposing fists. Uh, You can't make headway in getting the other one to understand and respect the perspective, or certainly not agree with it. So as a result, they view their husband or wife that has the opposite view, as just being selfish. And the more you get deeply entrenched in your own personal position, it makes compromise in prance, you know, impossible. So there are ways to handle this, these gridlock situations. Uh, usually what happens with a gridlock situation, how you know you reach that point, is a few signs, a few simonim of this. Number one is that you have the same argument that happens again and again and again with no resolution. You, you, there's an aspect that you're arguing on consistently and all the time, and there's, and it seems like there's no solution. You're in the same point where you are now like you, you were a year ago or two years ago. Number two is is that when you're in this grid, gridlock matzah, you don't address the issue with a certain humor or empathy and affection. Unfortunately, when you hit that gridlock stage, The humor is gone, the empathy is not there, and affection is lacking. Number three is is that as you argue on this, it becomes more polarizing as time goes on, and it creates a bridge between the two of you. And number four is that compromise seems impossible, because you envision if you try to compromise, it's like you're selling out. You're giving up something important, you're giving up some core value that you have. Now, obviously, the best way to avoid gridlock is to avoid gridlock in the first place, and the way you avoid gridlock in the first place is the more you become, um, adept at following the other six principles, the five we mentioned now, and uh, number seven, which is the sixth one besides this one that we're going to mention in future, in a future share, um, then these gridlocks will not happen or it will definitely be very much mitigated. Because as long as you trust each other, you'll find that disagreements, even disagreements that you don't see, that you think you'll never see eye to eye on, and it would be overwhelming, but it's much more easily handled. And um, the significant key to prevent these gridlocks is to look out for those moments... Um where you respect each other's needs. When you strengthen your fondness and admiration for one for each other, you turn towards each other. And when you do that, uh you could sidestep these gridlock situations. And um how do you step step side these gridlocks? Gridlocks means again uh, that you and your husband or you and your wife have certain aspects where there are what we call perpetual problems where you never see eye to eye and it's a problem that continues, you know, basically to reality. But you treat it like it's a pesky allergy or a bad back, you know, when you have a, someone Khalila has a bad back, you know, some irritating like that or an allergy that comes up no matter what medication, you know, that when it comes May time for the three weeks then you have a bad allergy, the difficulty is there, and but you manage it, and that's what, what happen, needs to happen sometimes in marriage, where even if you have some aspects that have these issues where you will never see eye to eye, you manage it. You manage it from keeping overwhelming your wife life. You make it deciding with each other. Yeah, we may not agree or will agree to disagree on, on this, but we will... Love each other, respect each other, not allow this issue to overwhelm us. It's like a trick knee. It's like an ankle that's, um, you know, you have an ankle that's very uh, uh, loose, and you always need that that brace to make sure it doesn't bend out of shape, something like that. It's doable. It could be done, and you don't have to solve the problem to get past this gridlock. That's the biggest you of all. People make a mistake into thinking that if I don't solve this, iris, you know so a problem that you can't imagine how it gets resolved. That means it's all over. Will there always be a bridge between us, or or the marriage will always have conflict? It not does not necessarily have to be that way. There are many many marriages, happy marriages, good marriages, that have aspects to it with a husband and wife don't see eye to eye in certain aspects that they will never see eye to eye. They'll always feel differently about certain issues, even in opposite poles. But they learn to admire, respect each other. And it's not a matter of giving in or losing. The goal is to acknowledge and discuss the issue without hurting each other. And you have the ability to do that. And to navigate out of gridlock, you have to understand, though, no matter how seemingly insignificant the issue Gridlock means that you have a dream or aspiration that your wife isn't sharing or vice versa or that it hasn't been acknowledged, hasn't been respected. You know, as one of you may have a certain hopes and aspirations and wishes that you feel is part of you, part of your identity, part of your purpose, part of your meaning in life, and your wife or your husband doesn't share it in the same way. So, And, and that, that's an understandable thing. Um, and people have these deep dreams about things about wh- what they want to do and what they want to accomplish, and how they want to feel at peace about themselves and how to heal and 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 how to be productive and 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 what they want to do with their lives and all dreams of the such sort are are to be um, cherished and treasured and admired and worked through. Nothing. None of them is bad in marriage. Even if one of you has a certain dream or aspiration that the other one doesn't share, the one that does not share it needs to understand that the one that has it, it's important to them because they are a different human being. And they have that and it's important for them and so on and so forth. What need, What one needs to remember about these type of things when couples get into this gridlock and they, you know, come into... Uh, this uh aspect where they can't seem to get along about a particular subject they need to both understand that very often it has to do with their past experience or or or, or a certain um situations that happened even before they got married that help that uh, that had them feel the way they feel about a certain thing and once they have that understanding, it gets a lot easier so for example um there there let's here's an example he gives which is a very interesting example you have a couple where one of them wants to go out every sunday night they want to go out for dinner outside out to eat out they want to eat out every sunday night the other one wants to stay home they want to stay home that's what they want to do sunday night and it seems like neither of them could budge and they have a irreconcilable difference there i always want to eat out sunday night i always want to stay home sunday night Obviously, here, you could work on some type of compromise and occasionally go out, occasionally stay home. But the idea behind it is as follows. The Sunday night, here's a muscle of why one feels strongly this way and one feels strongly that way. Because it holds a special place for them stemming from their childhoods. For example, in the wife's situation, her dream to eat out is because that's what her family did. Her family has a treat every Sunday night they used to go out as a family Sunday night, and that made her feel very special. And therefore, after she got married, she wanted to continue that tradition to make her feel good. But for her husband, the restaurant meal was less of a treat. And um, the warm memories that he has on a Sunday night meal is when his very busy mother nevertheless spend time for the family on Sunday nights to cook for the family, and they all sat together by the table, and she only did it Sundays when she was able to. So you see from here, fascinating, that the question of whether it's a restaurant versus a home is not really the Etzem problem here. I want the restaurant, I want home. It's really symbolic of what makes each one of them feel loved. So sometimes you need to understand that the that these perpetual issues, or the things that where you don't see eye to eye, and you don't understand why the other one feels about something important where you don't you don't feel that importance, has a lot to do with their childhood memories or their emotions, and once you understand that. There is, there is there is, an understanding and you don't get bogged down by those gridlocks. You don't get bogged down by the differences in your dreams or aspirations because you understand and respect the other person's dreams and aspirations. And that definitely uh, helps avoid gridlock and allow them to go on despite the fact that they don't see eye to eye on those particular subjects. So those are examples of how to avoid the gridlock situation. And um, you'll find that if you keep working on your unresolvable conflicts, that couples who are demanding of their marriage are more likely to have a deep, satisfying union than those who lower their expectations. So in other words, you both need to have high aspirations. We want to make our marriage work. We want to grow. We want to develop. We want to become as one despite the fact that we may have a different uh, uh, shita about something that's really deep in, important to us. In a certain weird way, in a certain unusual way, that's how Yisrael, different groups in Klai Yisrael also have this struggle, where they still are able to baruch Hashem these days, there's a big inroads in this, where despite the fact that they have different mahalchim in serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they nevertheless learn to get, get along with each other and have a shalom there and coexist in a certain peaceful way. And that's an idea of avoiding gridlock. So, so here, here, here is an example over here. A husband uh, says that he thinks his wife is too neat, too tidy, and uh, I'm trying to find things after she cleaned up, and... Uh, I think the husband says that she's inconsiderate and over controlling, and I'm tired of it. So, in other words, the wife is being very neat and organized and tidy, and the husband feels insecure about it and gets frustrated. He can't, she can't, he can't find things, and she he finds that behavior to be controlling. So, what could be, if you look deeper within it, it's not just a matter of she's very neat and he wants to be a little more loose in the house part of it is is this feeling of I want to be free in my own home it could very well be for example his own mother was concerned about appearances kept the house overly neat furniture always covered with plastic uh, the couch is always covered with this plastic or cushions and the, my mother used to, to nag me all the time to clean up so my wife's neatness and nagging makes the me makes me feel the way I I did when I was a kid, when my mother was overcritical. So to me, a more messy home, I'm not talking about a mamasha, a messy, messy home, you know, like that's crazy, but a more loose home, you know, where you could leave out a cup or two out on the, on the thing or some toys on the floor after the kids and, and you don't have to clean it up to, uh, like a minute later necessarily. Yeah. To me, a messy home means comfort, it means freedom from criticism. It means that I feel uh, home. So you see from here, this is an example, and this is very, very common, where her tidiness and neatness and cleanliness uh, uh, in, in, in a con- his view a controlling way versus his more uh, loose way where she may view him as being messy and disorganized is not coming from a question of tidiness versus disorganization. It's coming from an inner feeling of what makes them feel comfortable as a home. And once you understand that, angle and once you understand that aspect of it it becomes a lot easier to understand each other it becomes a lot easier to deal with one another and respect those differences and they work it through they work it through in their own way and' there may be always conflicts that she'll still can't control herself and always want to clean up like right away and she'll need to understand that he he you know he may not do so and she'll learn to get less annoyed about it. And, and and they'll work, work it through with each other. Here is another very, very good anecdote here that's important to, to, to as an example. A husband complains that his wife is very emotional and complains that on the husband that he's too unemotional. And the husband, the husband's perspective, she he feels that the wife is overly overreacting, out of control, overly sensitive. And he feels, I'm not, I'm not a a cold person. I'm just more rational. And um, usually rationality is best in approaching, uh, approach when you have a strong emotional situation. The best way to handle it is to be even keeled and, and to be less emotional. But my wife says that I'm hard to read and I'm too distant and I'm cold. So you see here, you have a conflict. And it could very well be, and again, they have to work that through. But it could be, once she has this understanding, for example, he explains to her as follows. You know, when I grew up in my family, everyone debated each other. We loved to argue with one another. My father asked a question, challenged me, and took an opposite opinion of mine, and it was no holds barred. We all loved it. We love this. Our family thrived on this on this debate that we had with one another, but we had an agreement that if we got over-emotional about something, that was illegal in a debating contest because the debating was an issue of intellectual ideas. Once it became emotional, the argument was over. You lost the argument. So in these debates that we practiced at home before I got married with my father, with my brothers, were were, 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 uh, uh, staying in emotional control, and it was highly prized in my family, and it still is. And maybe I should be more emotional, but that's not how I was brought up. And that's why I felt that being emotional is, is more of a weakness. While the wife is saying, I am an emotional person. And my, fa- and my husband's being too unemotional. And I feel that he's cold sometimes and not really present. And so on. And, um, and, 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 and again, with, with her view... She valued feelings a lot, and her in her background, maybe she valued that feelings. That's the way she was raised, and um, and again, just because they paired with each other like this doesn't mean there was a mismatch, doesn't mean that there wasn't the his zivig, doesn't mean that they're not compatible. They could get along very very well. He could learn to express more emotions. She could to to, to could learn to become more rational, but there will be a certain difference there. And the key is is not to get gridlocked in that in that aspect. We'll continue with Hashem in the upcoming Shir.